Welcome to NU Declassified, a look into how wildcats thrive and survive on Northwestern's campus. I'm Dan Hu, and this week we're looking at absentee voting. Most students at Northwestern aren't from Evanston, and many aren't even from Illinois. Many students are registered at home, meaning they're voting for politicians in places they no longer live. With that comes confusion and a general lack of education around the process of requesting absentee ballots. So I am in Minnesota, so we vote on Super Tuesday, but I registered to get my primary ballot absentee. So that actually came in the mail yesterday. I'm super excited. It still has Julian Castro on it and stuff because they don't have some of the dropouts because they prepared them early, but it's fine. This is Teresa Nowakowski, a freshman from Rochester, Minnesota, which votes for the primary on March 3rd, also known as Super Tuesday. Obviously, this is also my first time voting, but in Minnesota, at least, you can register to vote online. I have to give them, like, my social security number and stuff. And then they'll, like, do all the verification and stuff, and they'll send it back. You're like, hey, you're registered to vote now. I have to make sure it gets there by election day. So I'm going to have to make sure I give it some extra time because I don't know how fast the mail here is. I'm a little worried because, like, I have to have it either witnessed by someone who can also vote in Minnesota or signed by a public notary. <laughs> Conveniently, my sister lives in Lakeview, so I'm just going to pop over there and have her witness me vote. Depending on the state you're from, the early voting process can look very different. Maggie Grand is a freshman from Hull, Iowa, which is the first state to vote and holds a caucus instead of a primary. So it's really crazy because the area I'm from is so small and so like unnoticed until election time. And then you get like all these big names coming to like towns of 5,000 people or less and hanging out with us. And it's super cool. It's really cool to get to be a part of that and to feel heard by political candidates. If Iowa wasn't one of the first states, I don't think we would have gotten that opportunity because it is so small. I was really excited about this campaign because I went home over winter break. And so my family, they met Cory Booker at a coffee shop in a town about 10 minutes away. And then we met Amy. Oh man, we had to leave at like 6.30 one morning to drive to this local diner because I think she was trying to hit up 20 or 30 locations within two or three days. And so we met her and she came in, she gave a speech, she answered some questions and my mom got a picture with her, but she was really busy. Although Teresa is from Minnesota, not Iowa, she educated herself on how the Iowa caucus works. What happens is everyone heads over to their local caucus spot in Iowa. And then what they do is they all pick a candidate and like they go into different groups. And if the candidate that they picked got less than 15% of the people in that room, they have to pick a different candidate. Basically what happens is like, say only one person goes for Tom Steyer, then the Tom Steyer person has to go to a different place. Like Joe Biden will get obviously more than 15% in the room. So maybe right. they go choose Joe Biden as their second choice. It can kind of keep going like that. So the candidate has to get at least 15% of the vote in that specific caucus to be viable is what they call it. How big is a room? You can't have 15% if you have five people. Well, it is interesting. They have these little satellite caucuses for Iowa all over. <laughs> in Tbilisi, Georgia, the country, there is a caucus right. that is going to happen there will be three Iowans there. So whoever they pick is automatically viable in their caucus because wow. they automatically get 33% of the vote. This is the first year that they're not only going to say who won the caucus, but also like the total number of votes that each person got, if that makes sense. So say if Bernie Sanders is one of the three votes in this foreign country of Georgia, because there are three registered Iowans there, he automatically becomes viable. Minnesota does not do that. We have just the primary. You pick either the Republican or the Democrat ballot and you fill it out. You can't do both. 
but you don't have to be a registered member of the party either. You just pick, which I think is nice. And we don't do rank choice that or anything, sense. even though I wish we would. I'm thankful though, because it's not like Iowa. We just vote in our primary. We don't like do the caucusing thing. Oh, that would be so much work. So I was excited about caucusing and I was going to caucus for Amy. They make it really difficult if you have to caucus out of state. So there are satellite locations. There's one at UChicago and one in Humboldt Park. But you have to sign up by a certain deadline and I'd miss the deadline. So I'm unfortunately unable to caucus, which is kind of a bummer because it's really important to get involved. I was really looking forward to it. I felt like this was one of the first elections I'd actually really gotten involved in because it's the first time I'm a registered voter. It's the first time I feel like I've really had like a lot of a say. For other college students, there may be even less awareness about the absentee voting process. I don't know that it would occur to a lot of people to get their primary ballot absentee. Uh I feel like primaries are kind of forgotten a lot of the time. (laughs) I think for some people, it's really good that we encourage them to just vote in Illinois because I think it makes the process pretty easy for them. If you're voting in your home state, it's very much like doing it yourself. I do definitely know some people who are very much like, yeah, I'm voting in my home state because I think it's going to make more of a difference there. And like some people are more concerned about trying to flip things blue. For me, not super an issue. Minnesota's gone blue since 72. There's some local elections that I want to vote in, which is why I'm remaining a Minnesota voter. At Northwestern, the Center for Civic Engagement oversees student voter registration and providing resources to get your vote counted. The center collected information on the voting process for all 50 states so students can navigate the complexities of the primary. We spoke with Rob Donahue, interim director of the center. With a national student body, students have a legal right to register and vote either at their campus address or back home. But since the primaries, as opposed to a regular federal election, like a presidential or a midterm, happen over a cycle, it's even more complicated, right? Democrats and Republicans have different primary dates in each state. Some states have different presidential primaries than they have for state elections. So they may have two sets of dates. And invariably, people are protesting those rules, sometimes suing the states, and sometimes they're winning, and then those rules change. Some would argue that there's some efforts that are designed to make the system fairer. Some would argue that there's things going on that are actually designed to either incentivize or disincentivize certain groups from being able to participate more or less easily. There's fascinating history around the Iowa caucuses in particular, which for a long time have been the first kind of early presidential race in the United States, but they have typically required people to show up in person. But there's a fair debate from some folks who say, if I'm disabled and it's difficult for me to get out of the house, if I'm elderly, is that fair? So part of what's going on with the satellites is, is an effort, I think, to continue to try to reach more folks. But of course, there's always this kind of give and take of, well, how do you ensure that only Iowans participate? Particularly if you're having a satellite caucus out of Iowa, like in Chicago, There needs to be some mechanism to try to ensure that it's people who literally have a legal right. So you have to register ahead of time. The university provides a website, nuvotes.org, to inform students and faculty on how to vote in all 50 states. On the website, there's the entire primary schedule, and each state is categorized as a caucus, open primary, or closed primary. There's a clause in the Higher Ed Act that requires colleges and universities to make a good faith effort to help students with voter registration when they come to college. Now, what does it mean to make a good faith effort? Quite frankly, we've seen all different kinds of approaches to meeting that requirement. Putting a link on a web page, sending out an email, hanging up some posters. So 
we decided to do an experiment. What would happen if we really met the spirit of that requirement and not just the letter of it? And the idea for us was to integrate into a university process the opportunity for students to get any of the materials they would need to register and vote in any of the 50 states. Given that Northwestern is a national institution, you really need to be prepared to offer them all of the different options if you want to meet the full spirit of them being able to realize their interest in civic engagement. So it was a lot of work, more than we thought, but we found from the first year we worked with orientation to provide that option for every incoming student. And we saw the voter registration rates for incoming students at Northwestern go from about 25 to 30% of incoming students typically being registered when they set foot on campus to moving up over 90% from the very first year. We routinely have 90% of our entire student body registered to vote. So that has made Northwestern a national leader in this arena. Along with high voter registration, Northwestern also has high voter turnout. In the 2014 midterms, 23% of eligible voters cast a ballot, which was three percentage points above the national average for college students. By the 2018 midterms, the national average rose to 40%, but Northwestern's voter turnout reached 52%. I'd like to say that our work here is part of a trend towards making this more of a cultural norm for college students across the country because we've been one of the first campuses to really embrace that responsibility. Our students have totally taken to it and I think inspired some other campuses to see that if these resources are provided, students will take advantage of them. The enterprise is designed and as it should be to be entirely nonpartisan, but we are here to make sure students understand what their rights are, what the laws are, what their responsibilities are, and then help them navigate the system as they see fit. We're always going to be changing and evolving to meet those needs. So we've moved the needle in certain ways in terms of registration. That made us turn to focus a little more on turnout. We're starting to move the needle on turnout. So now we're starting to think more about discourse, how much people really are educated in the issues. But all those things need to work in sync, right? It's something we do as an entire community. We have a great group of about 40 student ambassadors who are working with NU Votes in this campaign. Many of those folks have just volunteered to be part of a crew that's going out between now and the fall to help make sure that everybody on campus knows what the issues are, knows how to get themselves registered, and they're out there to answer questions and just support their peers. The political science department is supporting this, and they're providing some experts to speak at various events on campus. We've heard from student groups who want to organize perhaps a march to the polls on, on election day. So we view this as a cultural norm at Northwestern, that civic responsibility is part of the atmosphere at this place and a value that we all want to embrace and promote. I mean, that's how democracies work, right? They thrive or wither based on the quality of the folks who are participating in them. The center urges that Northwestern students visit nuvotes.org to stay educated on what they need to do to make their vote count. The earlier it's done, the less risk of accidentally missing a deadline. Get yourself registered and then I think you feel like that you have skin in the game and that you can participate. But that does go hand in hand with other ways that you can participate. And that includes talking about the issues, reading the newspaper, following news stories, whether that's online or, or through television or what have you on the radio, and then having discourse with your peers. It's as simple as that. And a lot of times I think these broader national narratives seem distant. But as students think more and more about things that do impact their lives, things like, frankly, uh, the cost of higher education and student debt, health issues, immigration issues, there's all kinds of issues, certainly climate, that are issues that are impacting college students right now. The research suggests it's far easier to, to remain engaged uh, as long as you get started. 
The Center for Civic Engagement teamed up with a Northwestern design class, interviewed students, and found that what held a lot of students back from participating in elections was intimidation from keeping up with all the news. Rob explained a prevalent rationale of students. Geez, everyone around me is smart and engaged, and they seem to know more than I do about these systems that admittedly are complex. If you're from pick a place, Missouri, there's issues going on there, but you're living in Illinois and students are busy. And so keeping in touch with the issues you care about and keeping in touch with local politics here and keeping in touch with national politics and keeping in touch with issues going on back home in Missouri, that can be overwhelming. And I can see where people just want to unplug from it because they feel intimidated or they think they're going to look silly because they don't know what's going on. Uh, so I think it's most important, again, to just get started. Find what you care about. And you don't have to be an expert in everything. You don't need to know everything about what's going on back home or everything that's going on locally. But you need to find what speaks to you, whether that's federal politics, local politics, or a pet issue, or some combination thereof. And I think that's the best way to start. That's it for this week. Make sure to visit nuvotes.org to check up on the how and when to submit an absentee vote in your own state. Thank you to Rob for letting us get an inside look at the Center for Civic Engagement and to Teresa and Maggie for sharing their experiences. This is NU Declassified. We'll see you in our next episode every other Monday. This episode was reported and produced by me, Dan Hu, Ilana Argetti, and Nea Tanika Chalam. It was edited by Callan Luciano and Hina Srivastava. The editor-in-chief of The Daily Northwestern is Troy Clausen.